have waited a few weeks for today. Some have waited all summer and missed the end of season five. But where I, no matter where you are, this is the first episode of season six of the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman. We are excited that you are listening to this, however you may listen, whether it's through Apple or SoundCloud or if you've uh, ripped a copy off a, a, a DVD burner or a CD burner or, or some kind of uh, Audio cassette tape. Audio cassette tape, maybe uh, uh, a reel-to-reel machine. However you subscribe, like, and share the Bearded Carcast, we are very happy that you're with us for the beginning of Season 6. If you're just beginning to listen now, you, you've, Where have come, you been? you've come at the right time. Well, you have come at the right time. The first five seasons, those were just a <laughs> test ground. We were trying to figure it out. Now, yeah. after a hundred and some episodes, now we're we've, dialed in. Absolutely. Yeah. So, for the beginning of the new season, who is our A-list guest? Who is our A-list guest? I don't know. I thought you were booking one. I thought Matt Damon was going to be on. Huh. Well, well he's guess not we don't have one. No. Well, at least we're in the car because it's the bearded car well, cast. <laughs> I saw Jack Frost here at the Winthrop Coliseum earlier, so maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's a throwback to all times. It is a throwback to all times. We will be um, well. It'll be really planes, no trains, and automobiles, uh, motor vehicles, really, for our trip uh, coming up Monday, which will be to Penn State, where the Winthrop Eagles will be taking on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Basketball season is here. It is here. How much, if any, buzz do you feel that there is for college basketball season? Oh, that's a great question. I think it is probably, and I think we say this every year, I feel like it, even if it's just a little fraction, I think it's a little less, uh, and not for me personally, but I just think the buzz, uh, I feel like every, I don't know if there was as much buzz about the some of the Power Five media days, you know. Of course, we 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 had a great time at the Big South media day last week at uh, Bojangles Coliseum. But I I think, um, I, I think the sports that are trending up, um, you know, I think the NFL, I think college football is taking a lot of oxygen out of preseason basketball. I love college basketball. I'm excited for the season to start. I don't think anyone gives a hoot. I I think college basketball has largely turned into mm-hmm. A month-long sport. People pay attention in March. They fill out their brackets. They love it. The The rest of it, take it or leave it. Now, mm-hmm. there are diehards that are going to watch. There are diehards that watch every sport. You know, I'm a big horse racing guy. Wait, whoa, I whoa, think whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right. I think the Breeders' Cup this weekend is a big deal. I don't pretend that anyone is watching aside from big-time Horse racing yeah. fans. There's a horse running in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It'll be just before 6 o'clock Saturday named Flightline. He's 5 for 5. I think this is the most impressive horse since Secretariat. Mm. I think this might be the fastest horse of my lifetime. That is going to take place essentially at the same time as the third quarter of Georgia and Tennessee. I don't think anyone yeah. is going to be watching. And when the Champions Classic takes place, when, when Duke and, and Kansas and, and Michigan State, all those Kentucky get together in a week or two, yeah. college basketball people, and if you live in, in a bubble of college basketball people, if you're around coaches, I think they're into it. I don't think the general public gives much of a, 
uh, you know, Kentucky fans are watching, Kansas fans are watching, of course. College basketball fans are paying attention. But I think with the rain out in Game 3 of the World Series, Game 7 of the World Series now could potentially go up against Sunday night football. I think the baseball game's going to get clobbered if there's a Game 7. And I have absolutely no thought that college basketball begins Monday night. It goes up against Monday night football. Yeah. I don't think there's a single college basketball game in the country that's going to get a whole lot of viewership or pop because Monday night football is going on. Well, and I think this all really goes back to a couple of things. Um, I, I think one of it is how information, how entertainment is disseminated. And just because it's just, just so much out there now, it's, I mean, you can, um, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, so I won't go deep into detail, but, you know, obviously the, the, the kids, the, the 16, 17, 18-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, the I mean, they're watching stuff on their phone, but they're not necessarily – they'll watch maybe a highlight of the horse race, like if, they, if they're horse racing, but they're not going to dial into it. They, they're going to be watching the game. But, you know, it used to be 25, 30 years ago. Yes, even at the advent of cable, you had a lot of channels and all that, but it's not like now where, you know, you have streaming services and you have Twitter and you, you can you can read books on a on a – tablet or, or a phone or a computer you can look watch stuff on the computer so i just think how we're consuming things and people are just but d- i doing think things differently and i'm curious maybe you do and maybe you don't think i think people are sitting down and watching nfl games i don't think anyone's sitting down and watching much of anything else oh 100 you know john um you know we have the sunday ticket i'm usually working on sunday so i'm usually either at the game or i'm at the stadium to do the pregame show so i'll watch a little bit around that at home and you know we have the sunday ticket it's one of the few times that I would say, John, and he's 16 years old, that he's watching over-the-air television. I mean, right. even it's direct TV, but I mean, he'll he'll watch stuff on Netflix that's on the the big screen TV in the living room. But essentially, um, you know, and and we're kind of in that uh, older, you know, we're starting to transition from kind of middle of the great demographic, or at least you're still there. I'm I'm kind of starting to edge up towards the. the I'll keep you posted on what it's like <laughs> back here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but I just, you know, how everything is being consumed now is just different. So I, you know, I think that has a part to do it. And I do think it is interesting, right? That, that, um, they're still the 800 pound gorilla. There's just a lot of, a lot of other, uh, activities going on in the, in the forest as well. Game one and two of the world series. Did you watch some of it, all of it, none of it? Um, very little. What Uh, about John? I did some, all or none. Oh, he hasn't watched any of the world series. Sam? Um, no, no. I can. I'm, I'm trying to think about. Uh, let's see. The uh, so Saturday. Yeah. What do we do Saturday? What do we do Saturday? Night? Gosh, I forget. Oh no. Sa- so uh, John was in a all, uh, play all day on Saturday. So uh, it was a, a competition, different schools. So we went and saw some of them. He had to stay the whole day. So he we we watched TV. Sam and I got caught up in some series. Uh, TVs that, that we hadn't seen, and then um, and Friday night, we uh, I think it was uh, we were, were kind of dialed in on high school football. I got home from broadcasting Gardner Webb's win over Bryant. Gardner Webb three and zero for the first time in twenty years, and I turned on Tennessee and Kentucky. It wasn't a very good game. I moved to Michigan State and Michigan. I watched a little bit of whoever Ole Miss was playing. They played a pretty tight game. And when the game ended, I thought to myself, 
think the World Series is on. I completely forgotten yeah. about it. I turned it on, and it was like the uh, it was the bottom of the seventh or the top of the eighth inning. I watched two innings. Kind of, I was doing some prep work. I was paying part attention. Uh, we went to bed. We turned the TV on. I said, I'm going to watch the ninth inning of the game. I turned the ninth inning on. It was 5-5 five, five after nine innings. I said, screw this. I'm going to bed. Yeah. And, and like, well, I think I followed it on Friday actually through Twitter. And, we, you know, we watched a little bit uh, and, you know, made sure the Phillies uh, won that game. But I, I think that's the other thing too, Dave, is I think that – Ability to get live updates from people that are at the event, you almost feel like oh, I don't need to watch that because. But I don't. I think feel Game Seven about, about or the deciding NFL. Games. If you tell no, me, no, you're right. I agree with that. Like, I uh, the uh, the early game, the 9 a.m. game Sunday was not particularly attractive, right? It was Jacksonville and Denver, and it wasn't on. I thought it was going to be on the NFL Network. It was yeah. on ESPN Plus, but I couldn't actually find it on my TV. And I sought it out, and I found the game on the Westwood One app. Yeah. And I listened to most of it. Yeah. And I thought the play-by-play guy who I was not familiar with was just phenomenal. Hmm. Who's them? I don't know, J.P. Shadrick or something oh, like that. Okay. I, I wasn't familiar yeah. with him, but I thought he was very, very good. And I, I, I liked the broadcast so much, I never transitioned to watching yeah. And on ESPN Plus, which I very easily could have, yeah. but I was totally locked into the game. These two terrible teams. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm watching the World Series. It goes to extra innings, and I turn it off. And, like, again, I love college basketball. I can't wait for Winthrop's first game on Monday. And, and we're going to talk about Winthrop a little bit and talk about the Big South for a little bit. But the number of regular season college basketball games that I think I'm probably going to watch between now and, let's say, the the end of the NFL regular season, I think it's a smaller number than I can ever remember mm. just because I'm going to concentrate on all the Winthrop games. I'm locked in on those. I'm excited about those. But on a Thursday night, I'm probably going to watch an NFL game. Yeah. On Sunday, I'm probably going to watch an NFL game. Saturday, I'm probably going to watch a college football game. And on Monday, I'm probably going to watch an NFL game. So if there's a good college basketball game on Tuesday, yeah, I'm in. Wednesday, yeah. I'm in. And there'll be a particular matchup. I, I, sure. I, I really like certain teams, certain coaches. Oh, I, I will look for those. But the first day of the season is Monday. I'm as big a college basketball fan as I think most people know, and my level of excitement outside of Winthrop it is not extraordinary. Right, and you watch games for obviously for enjoyment, but you know sometimes, you know if if you see a future opponent for Winthrop playing or you know a Big South team's playing a Power Five school, I mean I know you pay extra attention to that, but you're as apt to uh, from an enjoyment standpoint, you know watch a. St. Mary's, you know. Uh, and once we get into the league season, January, I think it's different when you get into the season. No, no question. Let yeah. me ask you this. Yes, you ask. get you get the Blue Ribbon Guide. Yes. Right now, the, I, I understand the Blue Ribbon Guide has had a bunch of yeah, production, production problems. Issues, yeah. But I, I also, this year for the first time, got that, um, uh, what is it called? Oh, it's called uh, the, uh, the Atlas. The Jeff Goodman uh, thing. Yeah. What, the Almanac. Right? The Almanac. It's like 800 or 900 Yeah, it's a very pages. thorough... Uh, Right. Yeah. I have read about Winthrop, the Big South teams, yep. all of Winthrop's opponents. Yep. 
There are probably a hundred, nah, not, maybe not that many, there are probably 50 pages at the beginning of the Almanac on really interesting things like who were the best teams in the transfer portal? What are the biggest games for the year? Who are the All-American players? I haven't read any of it. Yeah. And, and I, I guess it's because I'm busy. We've got basketball going on. Football's still going on. I'm doing a bunch of horse racing stuff. But, like, I just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, no. I think it's it's going to build up to that. But it's, I feel like every year we're, we're saying that. That's probably true. That's probably true. Now, I am excited about Winthrop. We were at practice today. We've been around the team. We were at media day last week. Do you have any kind of big picture thoughts before perhaps we get into the weeds? Well, I, I just think it's, you know, the, the big question is, um, I think we're, uh, we can know the answer to this because we've been around, but I, I mean, I think for, for people that are maybe casual observers of the team, like where where's the scoring going to come from, right? Like, and how are they going to handle the loss of um, DJ Burns, who's, you know, an all-conference, you know, player of the year caliber type player. And, you know, I think the answer to that is, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, good newcomers coming in. And I think for anybody that's watched Winter Bowl the last couple of years, I am very excited to see, um, you know, uh, uh, you know Chase Claxton and see what Kelton Talford's going to be able to do. Because Talford's one of the type of player that, you know, came in a couple of years ago and you know, good, you know, got better last year. And I think this year um, the, his trajectory is going to be the same way. Yeah, there are a lot of questions with the team, particularly at the guard spot where yeah. they lost Pat Good and they lost Drew Bugs. They, they've had some guys that have not been healthy in the preseason, but I could not be more excited to watch Kelton Telford. He, he put up really, really yeah. good numbers in a fairly limited role and, and was completely overshadowed by DJ Burns. I think Telford can be an all-conference player this year. He's a very different player yeah. than DJ, but I think you kind of hand him the keys. Now, that that's not to, to slight anyone else. Corey Hightower is your preseason all-conference player, and Corey's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. He can, he can get to the basket. He can shoot from the outside. He can rebound. He can get to the free-throw line. I just am so excited for the player Kelton Telford can be as an upperclassman. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, he's, you know, again, continues to improve. I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do. And, you know, quite frankly, what are what are some of the newcomers going to be able to do? Like what, how, I mean, we all, we know, uh, you know, Isaiah Wilson and, uh, um, and Kaysen will be kind of, you know, the point guards uh, with, you know, Sin in that mix as well. Sin will be kind of a guard. You're going to have a lot of different, permutations I think I mean I think there's you know there's a lot of versatility I think Howie Fleming uh, from Illinois State is going to be an interesting guy uh to keep an eye on and you know obviously with uh you know with the, you know the players coming back you know uh you know Corey Hightower uh you know what's his improvement going to be I think um you know he's obviously going to be called upon to be one of the leaders and one of the top scorers on the team you look at the guard spot, and, and I'm including both wings as guards. So, so you've got three starting spots at guard, and there are so many questions. Sincere McMahon should be a strong rotation piece, whether that is as a starter at the two or it is a, as a backup at the two, or playing some at the point, I think we're going to see a lot of Sincere McMahon. Mm -hmm. He had a kind of 
two seasons within one last year. At the beginning of the year, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And the second half of the year, everything he threw up seemed to go in the basket. And the coaches, particularly because they coached him at Western Carolina for a year, and now they've coached him at Winthrop for a year, they trust him. They trust him on mm-hmm. defense. They, they recognize how well he knows the system. And he's a guy they have a great deal of faith in, which is fantastic. Everybody else at guard with the injury to Michael Anumba is a huge question mark. The, the two point guards, Harrison and Wilson, have not played at Winthrop before. So it, it's almost impossible to know what to expect. Harrison is a guy that was recruited by at least one other top Big South Conference school put up good numbers at Lamar, has an ability to score the ball. He has not been 100% healthy in the preseason. And then at the wing, you mentioned Howie Fleming, another guy that has not been at every single practice in the preseason, a guy that at Illinois State, it points, was a very impactful player on both ends of the court. But the forgotten guys are Cam Whiteside, a D2 transfer who tore his ACL and never played for Winthrop last year. But, I mean, talk about buckets. He scored 21 points a game at the D2 level, really got to the free throw line, has an ability to to score in a bunch of ways. I have no idea what to expect from him, despite going to practice. And what about Tanari Lane? It feels like he's been in the program forever and now should finally get an opportunity. And I think it's it's gonna obviously play out over the you know the next couple of weeks because you know you know we mentioned the guys that uh, were big contributors last year you know Pat Good Drew Bugs um, you know you know were, were two you know kind of key guys you know mentioned DJ Burns so it'll be interesting to see um, there's so many questions there are so many questions but I think that's one of the fun things about seeing the start of the season and you know opening up against Penn State and then uh, you know home. Uh, you know, home Wednesday, then uh, home Saturday as well. So it'll be uh, it'll be a good opening week for the Eagles. Good test and see. I wouldn't call it a big, a huge measuring stick, but I think you'll know, you'll start to see maybe some of those questions start to be uh, on the way to getting answered. You wonder simply because all of the new players, some guys a little bit slow to get in the gear, but before the year starts, if this is one of those teams that might be really dangerous in February, but it takes a little bit of time to get there. And, and, and maybe every team in the country is thinking that right now, but if you go to practice, I was at one a few weeks ago where it, it seemed like half the team was working yeah. with new athletic trainer <laughs> Jeff Lahr. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be, uh, you know, health is going to be key. But I think you, you you make a good point. You know, this is something we talked a lot about, uh, you know, the teams that, uh, you know, in, in Pat Kelsey's era, you know, the goal was to be good, right? But you wanted to be better as the months progressed, and you really wanted to be your, at your best in February. I'm interested to see what this team's strength is. We have seen Winthrop over – I don't know, maybe a half a decade or a decade at this point, shoot a million threes, shoot them at a pretty high percentage, Mm -hmm. play a very up-tempo brand of basketball. And and this team may have the ability to do that. I think we wondered whether they had the ability to do that last year. And as it turned out, Pat Good Mm -hmm. was able to do that. Uh, Drew Buggs was a pretty good floor general. 
you just have so many new faces. The, the game has changed. Mm-hmm. The, the transfer portal era has put everybody as a question mark going into the year. Oh, totally. I, yeah, I don't. Like, it's you, hard. To, it's a lot harder to handicap. Look at Penn State's roster. It is a bunch of transfers. Now their two leading scorers are back from last year, but their two leading rebounders yeah. are gone, and they have three or four. Uh, what I would call mid or low major transfers that put up big yeah. numbers at smaller schools, you just don't have really yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I would have a hard time imagining. But even Jalen Pickett was a transfer from Siena. I- exactly. I mean, he was there last year. But right. I, I, I would bet that Micah Shrewsbury, pinned up against a wall, would say, I think we're going to be better in February yeah. than we are in right. November and, and, and they December. Had, they had trouble. I mean, they obviously had some good rebounders last year. I mean, they had a player that was – uh, you know, Harar was uh, ten points, ten rebounds a game. You know, that's that's not there, uh, and uh, so I think you you bring in a bunch of these new guys and and really just trying to become um, more efficient at scoring. They weren't at times had trouble scoring last year. They they did, but who they are now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who you knows? can you can read yeah. as much about their team from last year as you want. Until we see it on Monday night, I I don't know. I mean, we were at Big South Media Day last week. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, uh, I don't want to say it's a worthless event, but every coach is going to tell you, you know, we're really excited about the year. Yeah. If you were picked for a second or a third, they're going to say, yeah, well, you know, I want to temper expectations. Right. But, and if you were picked at the bottom, you go, yeah, people people don't believe in us. They're not yeah. a practice. I mean, you hear the same thing sure. from everybody. But look at the rosters in the league. Campbell has a ton of new guys. Radford has virtually an entire new roster. Yeah. It, it, how are we to know whether these players are going to be good, major factors, forces, or they're duds? They, they're, there's just really no way yeah. to tell. It's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to tell. Any other thoughts from Media Day? Did you learn anything? Were you... Um. I, I just realized we've been in the league a long time. Well, we have been there. <laughs> uh, how about this? Yeah. We talked to the commissioner, and right. he is retiring at the end of the year. I, I think it's a very, very difficult job because Big South football is in major trouble, and the league needs to figure out if they are going to have football going forward. The only two football-playing schools left are Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb. There are some uh, associate members, but, but that's yeah. it. Um, so I think the new commissioner is going to be tasked with figuring out what to do with football yeah. and, and how that's going to impact it going forward. Membership is also is always a, an issue. Teams come and teams go. But what should the new commissioner look like? What what type of person? We've had the same person for a long time, whether you like him or not. It, it's kind of been a, a steady, consistent hand. We, we know what to expect. W- what do you think the next Big South commissioner looks like, feels like? What's hmm. their background? My guess is it's going to be somebody that is strong in sales because I think, you know, selling um, is, you know, Creating sponsorships and opportunities, uh, I, I still think is the most important thing. But it's going to have to be somebody that that really, I think, understands the nuts and bolts of athletics administration. And what I mean by that is, uh, look, there have been so many changes in the last ten years. And you look at, you know, from two thousand six, two thousand seven, our first year. How different is college athletics now uh, than it was then? And 
I think it's going to be somebody that has to be, um, and when I say a good salesman, not just in sponsorships, but A, keeping your membership together, and B, when you are losing, you know, shedding members, who you're replacing them with and being creative. So it's going to be someone I think is a dynamic thinker, but also is you know, a little bit of a politician and a good seller. I want to mention four recent commissioner hires and consider which of these molds probably fits the Big South best. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 hired people with basically no college sports experience. Yeah. They they hired marketers. They hired salespeople. They took people from, from big jobs at, at media companies elsewhere, and they made them the commissioner. Jeff Jackson, who used to be yeah. in the Big South office, a former basketball yeah. coach, is now the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. And Brian Thornton, who at one time was an assistant here at Winthrop, is now the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference after spending some time at the NCAA and at the American Athletic Conference. Does one of those seem more likely than another for what the Big South ought to go with? Well, I think the the big things, I think, if you're in higher education is you want somebody that, that has real uh, academic experience or working in an academic setting. And I think, you know, you see two coaches um, – becoming even even though Brian Thornton was an assistant coach Jeff Jackson head coach uh, and, and worked in the Big South but I think again they're coaches but part of their job is to sell an institution it's to uh, drum up support it's to get people enthusiastic and excited and I think those are all traits that would be good for a commissioner I wanted to touch very briefly on the NFL we'll have plenty of time to talk about it throughout the year but we're recording this on Tuesday. Today was the NFL trade deadline, yeah. and there were a lot of big trades. Uh, we're not going to sit here and break them down and pretend whether we can tell you whether this guy's worth a first rounder, this guy's worth a third rounder, and, and, and so forth and so on. But what we've seen is a change in the NFL. The NFL has turned into more of what we see in basketball and in baseball. There are buyers there are sellers. Mm -hmm. There are people willing to mortgage the future, to go for it now, and there are those who recognize they are not in contention and they are going to wait. This seems to me to be very analytics forward, as opposed mm -hmm. to everyone is going, we're just trying to win as many games as possible. We're just trying to get to six games or seven games. They're, they're being more realistic. Can we win something? Can we go to the playoffs because we haven't done that in a long time? Can we compete for a conference championship? Can we go to the Super Bowl? I feel like this change is five or ten years late in coming, but it has arrived. Well, and it's not just it, – it's financial analytics uh, and uh, performance analytics and, and melding the two together, and I think um, that's been the, the bigger change. I just – I'm, I'm a big proponent – of, uh, I mean, I, I still think the human element has to be involved, but I, I don't think you can ignore uh, analytics. I don't think you should be um, held hostage to analytics, but I think you, if you're savvy enough to be able to blend that with, with what you're seeing and in, in, in knowledge of the game, uh, I think that can be a really valuable tool. Christian McCaffrey's trade we talked about a couple weeks ago, that kind of started this cycle of trades taking yeah. place. There was a report today, I, I don't know whether it's true or not, there's a report today that the Panthers passed on two first-round picks for Brian Burns. I think what that tells us, and again, I don't know if the report's right or not, but I think what that tells us is McCaffrey's position, McCaffrey's age, McCaffrey's contract 
not worth a fortune. Burns, all the same things, worth a lot more. Well, and I, if if the reports that I read today were true, that, that team that offered the two first-round picks was the Rams. And so you were not going to realize those first-round picks for a few more years. I think – I think if if it was a team that maybe had um, you know a first round pick for next year and then the year after, maybe that's a different story. But I think Brian Burns is you know uh, you have to build on something. You got to build somewhere, absolutely. And and so I think I, I think it was flashy, but I think if you examine where those picks came from, I think that tells you part of the story. So looking forward to the season. I, I don't. I know it's gonna be fun. I, I think we'll have an opportunity, but not sure we'll have an opportunity to do one in Penn State. But next week, we, we've got a home game yep. on Wednesday, uh, another home game on Saturday. It, 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 it's great to have a new season of the podcast, and, and I'm looking forward to getting rolling. I hope fans will correspond with us, whether that yes. be email or right. on Twitter or uh, where should we go? What should we see? Please do review the podcast and, and all of those sort of things. Yep. It's uh, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. For Dave, I'm Mike. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, or you you'll, well, we won't, you'll see us. You may hear from us, but we'll be back uh, for more on the Bearded Carcast.